Are you a football fan? Have you ever found yourself wondering what in the world was that ref thinking? Well, Mike D. the referee is here to help. Join me on Whistle Talk as I talk to professionals on the field and in the booth to help you understand what is going on inside the mind of a football official. On today's episode, join me as I talk with Mr. Mark Batar, New Jersey State Tournament Assigner for Football and Basketball and Officials Recruiting Coordinator, also ACC Replay Supervisor. That's today on Whistle Talk. Awesome. All right, so welcome back to our next episode of Whistle Talk. Uh, today, I have the honor of having uh, Mark Batar with us today. Um, give me a moment here. I got to read off. Uh, Mark has a very, very incredible resume here. So let me read these off for you. Uh, Mark is the Super Football Conference Football Assigner, the New Jersey Interscholastic Conference Football Assigner, the Big Central Conference Football Assigner. He is the New Jersey State Tournament Assigner for both football and basketball. He is also the State of New Jersey's Officials Recruiting Coordinator. And currently, Mark is also at the collegiate level, ACC Replay Supervisor. So, um, Mark's got over 18 years of officiating from the high school level all the way up through the NFL level. Um, so I want to introduce Mr. Mark Batar. Thank you for uh, being on our show today. Thanks, Mike. Uh, appreciate uh, being on Whistle Talk today. Great. So diving right in, Mark, uh, 18 years of, of officiating. What got you interested in becoming a football official in the first place? Um. It was actually a funny story. Um, you know, I was in still in school and, uh, you know, the teacher was putting something on for uh, a video um, just and it obviously showed a little bit of analog cable at the time. And uh, it was like a commercial about an official and everything like that. And I always said, you know, it'd be cool to be a football official. So uh, the teacher in the room at the time said, you know, the president of the high school football officials association is a teacher here and i said okay that's great you know maybe i'll try to look into that uh one of my best friends till this day uh told me that uh that i wasn't going to do it or i wasn't going to see the guy so to despite him i went to go see the guy he asked me where i was going to go to school um i wound up going to seton hall and uh i was able to take the course uh which was at about uh about a nine month course uh, that I was able to take, and uh, one thing led to another. Eighteen years later, uh, right here at Whistle Talk. Oh, awesome! That's fantastic. Yeah, it actually happened for me uh, almost the same way of being in school. But uh, I was—I'm uh, a school teacher myself, and I was a longtime football coach for over twenty years before I decided to uh, don the the white and black stripes, the pinstripes. Well, not the pinstripes. That's the Yankees. Not lucky enough to be a Yankee, but I'm lucky enough to be a football <laughs> official. Um, and actually I ran into the president of our association at our school and we got chatting and I was just stepped down from coaching myself and decided to take the course. It keeps me involved and I love this sport. Um, so 18 years now, you've had to have seen some, some incredible things, especially at all the different levels. Um, like you have any, any stories that may pop out that stick in your head? Like, Oh man, this happened. I, I can't believe that happened. Anything funny anecdotally with some of the players possibly. Uh, you know, um, it, it was actually fun when, um, I, you know, I was on the field for a game and, uh, there was a, you know, a lineman who was about six, five, three forty, 
big guy. Um, and there was another defensive lineman who was about 6'4", 320 or so. And, uh, you know, I'm just that six foot maybe. But I go in and they were trying to, they were barking at each other a little bit. And I went in between them and tried to separate the two of them. And uh, there was actually a picture of that showing me <laughs> trying to separate these two guys <laughs> who were a lot larger than me. And uh, it was kind of funny when you kind of look at that. We were all in the same field together, right in the same vicinity. So uh, kind of fun when you kind of see stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously, as you do this, you get some experiences um, that you always remember and cherish. Um, probably one yeah. of the things that I always tell people that I always remember and cherish really was um, I was able to work uh, a Princeton versus Dartmouth uh, football game at Yankee Stadium. And uh, my family and friends surprised me and they all got tickets to the game. And it was pretty cool when you were able to see your family and your friends all in one area. And they were all kind of together, like 20 of them. And uh, it was pretty nice when you were able to kind of just, I just, when I was actually working the game first quarter and then we had a TV timeout. And the only thing I heard in the background was like, batar, batar, batar. <laughs> and I turned around and it was them, uh, which was pretty cool. So I was able to go over. Uh, you know, at a quarter break or so to say hi to them and everything like that. So um, that was something that I really did remember that was kind of special to me, especially when you can see your friends and family. You know, as you know, with officiating, uh, as you progress and go through the ranks, you, you do miss a lot of family time. Yep. You miss a lot, of a lot of friends time. And so when you're able to kind of do what you love and be able to see those people who you love, and kind of put that all together in one spot. It is pretty special. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, it really is. When 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 you got family and friends uh, still involved in supporting you and and all your endeavors, that that's that is an awesome story. Appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, so today we're we're on a on a we're in a different era than where you were eighteen years ago when you first started. When I first started, which is uh, seven eight years ago myself. Um, Challenges that we face today as officials, what do you feel are some of the biggest challenges that, that we're facing just overall? And it's it's funny because here we are on a social media platform talking about this, but I know social media is one of the things that can be challenging, too, in our profession. You know, I think um, the expectations, you know, um, the expectations to be perfect, um, you know, when when you kind of walk onto a field. Um, the expectation that every single call is going to be done and get called exactly perfect. Um, yeah. And that's almost impossible. And that, I think, is the – and that, you know, that obviously accounts for a lot of people who sometimes get frustrated because the expectation is to be perfect. Um, and that's where a lot of people just, you know, sometimes they're not prepared to handle that type of scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And that's throughout all of the levels. You know, if, if you're officiating a third grade game or even an NFL game, the expectation is to get every single call right. Yeah. And, you know, and as and if, if you're involved in this game and um, from the official side, even the coaching side, you know that's almost impossible uh, to try to get every single call right. And so that's where I think that's where I think it becomes a little bit of a challenge now for people to want to. Uh, not only do this, but to stay doing this because there is a lot of scrutiny now, especially with now social media. Um, you know, that's even happening at the high school level. So it's really difficult to be able to um, maintain that 
as we get so much better and better with technology and more and more people just expecting perfection. Yeah, a lot of people tend to forget the uh, the human element that, that we have as officials in there that I know personally I'm out there because I want to call the best game for the kids and I don't want to be seen. I don't want anybody to know that I'm out there. I want to spot the ball and, and move on and let the kids do their thing. Um, but there, there is a human element involved and uh, some people tend to forget that. I, I know hear some chirping from the stands all the time. So it is definitely a big challenge. No question, you know, and, and kind of what you spoke about where you don't want anybody to kind of notice who you are or see you or anything like that. You just kind of want everybody to watch, um, watch the athletes play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, one of the biggest compliments that I ever received was uh, I worked a game and about three weeks later, I had that same coach and that same coach did not even recognize me. Yeah. And to me, that was the ultimate compliment because they didn't even recognize me during the game, which tells me, you know, I think that we did a pretty good job. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I've, I've had those scenarios and that is definitely a good feeling. Uh, again, go, going unnoticed and being able to walk off the field and uh, know that you, you did your job that night and the kids got their best experience. Um, another one of the challenges actually that we talked about um, on, on my last podcast um, was just the field itself. Um, I had the privilege this year of, of working in a couple of playoff games and at the high school level, typically we're a six man crew and you guys put into place the seven man crew for the higher games at the end. Um, how do you feel that goes with some of the challenges that, that we're facing with sometimes there being uh, dead zones, possibly areas that not are always right in our keys and stuff and stuff like that. Do you, do you feel that that's still a challenge or we have actually evolved from four man, five man now to the six man mechanic. What, do you, what are your thoughts on the mechanics aspect challenges? Yeah. So, so you know, six man officiating um, is great uh, because you're able to have that cushion between the line of scrimmage official and the deep mm-hmm. wing. Uh, you're really able to officiate that part. You're able to really officiate dead ball things. Uh, yes. Dead ball, any action like that, you're also able to, with a lot of these uh, receivers running a lot of these deep routes and, and, you know, running through the seams and everything like that, you're able to get that coverage with the deep wing. Um, you know, and obviously for the, the playoffs, when we've done seven, that provides even more coverage. But one of the things that's pretty cool with seven person officiating compared to six, it's not that large of an adjustment, but does also give you. Um, a lot more coverage without you really changing your mechanics that much. Yep. And that to me um, was one of the reasons why we did it. Like going from five to six, that is a completely different way of officiating. Yes. But then when you go from six to seven, um, it's a lot easier of an adjustment. Uh, and there's really not much adjusting that you really have to do, except that provides um, more coverage for you um, in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also uh, provides uh, a lot more just coverage on those trip receivers uh, to one side of the coverage or not. And you're able to get a little more information there uh, so that you, you know, a little more accountability there and a little more coverage in the end zones as well. So yep. seven person has really worked out well uh, in New Jersey. Uh, and hopefully we're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll look to maintain that in the playoffs. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not 100% certain, but the the college game is strictly a seven-man game officiating, if I'm if I think correctly. So at the Division One level, it's eight person. It is okay. Uh, it did and, go to eight. Yeah, and that's when they'll have an umpire in the backfield, along with excuse me, an umpire in the, behind the defensive line, and then they'll also have a center judge in the offensive backfield. Yep. Um, so so right now we don't have a quote unquote center judge. We keep our umpire behind the defensive line, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously with seven person, then that we also add an additional official who is the back judge. Okay. So moving on to technology, um, and for the listeners out there that, that didn't realize this, uh, New Jersey a few years ago dabbled in a replay system um, utilizing the huddle video system that majority of the high schools have, and if they needed to have multiple cameras, um, New Jersey was one of the states that was working with that system, um, but it's kind of not really geared towards the high school game due to the lack of camera angles, so it wasn't really that good. In, in essence, in the in the big term, I shouldn't say it wasn't that good because it did help on a, a few calls, but unfortunately the angles weren't great. Um, Mark, as, as a replay supervisor, how are you seeing the technology helping out at the college level right now? Uh, it helps us to get the call right, you know, and that's something that we want to do. Obviously, you know, when you're looking at replay, one of the things that you always try to do um, is obviously identify what the call on the field was. What's the ruling on the field? That's the number one thing. What is the ruling on the field? And then be able to allow video to either uh, disprove what they did on the field or go with the calling on the f- call on the field. And that's kind of where replay is. Um, and that to me is if we're able to get the call right, uh, then we're able to kind of do it that way. You know, one of the things in high school though, um, with replay is a struggle is you don't want to start changing the way you officiate from August through, you know, almost Thanksgiving. And then for, you know, five or six or seven games, just change the way you've officiated and change philosophies that you've had for the entire season. And now all of a sudden change it for the one game that you're going to have. Um, mm-hmm. So and that's for where the listeners. Like, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, that's where you want to just be careful on how you kind of do those things. Yeah. And just to, for, to clarify for those that, that don't understand what Mark's talking about um, with the replay system, the officials are trained to error on one way knowing that the replay system can come back and, and correct possibly uh, a scoring play, for, for instance. If they call it a, a touchdown, uh, touchdowns are automatically reviewed, so they'll call it the touchdown, and if they have to bring it back, as opposed to having a coach have to challenge it or something like that. And, and at the high school level, we didn't have that consistently. Um, so going from game to game, you'd have to think a little bit differently. And like you said, it, it definitely changed the mindset going into that game. And then when you get to the bigger games, because uh, we still had it in the playoffs for uh, probably the last year or so that the replay system was in New Jersey. It was strictly just the playoffs. Um, but as you said, it kind of made your mindset go from how you were officiating the entire season to now officiating differently in the biggest games of the season. Correct. So 
you're the assigner for the state playoffs. That's that that's an honor in in its own right. Um, but with that, it, that that's got to be a lot of work on your part of, of communicating. We have four chapters in the state of New Jersey, basically broken up geographically. Um, how does it go with the terms of you with communicating and how, how are we looking numbers wise in the state of New Jersey officials? Um, I know COVID played a, a, a negative part in everybody's life, including the officiating profession. So how are we looking in, in the state of New Jersey, being that you do have uh, good lines of communication with all the groups around? Um, so with officials recruiting with football, they were really the exemplar of kind of how to do it. Um, you know, one of the things that I always say to people is, okay, how do I become an official? And that was something where I think before we started, nobody really knew how to become one. Uh, how do you become a football official? What do you do? Do you go on a website? Do you sign up? And one of the things that we tried to do, number one, was start out with the messaging. Uh, okay. We use social media as a way to be able to get the word out, you know, with everything now, you know, people talk a lot about social media in a negative way, but in a positive way, we were able to get the word out. And, you know, on average, we were getting over 100 football officials signed up in the state of New Jersey annually. Uh, and we've been able to have that process now for the last uh, three years that we've been around, uh, you know, that we started this process and this push, um, and that's something that we needed to do because after COVID, um, there, you know, or I should say before COVID, right when that's when COVID occurred, we lost a lot of officials mm -hmm. uh, who never came back. You know, they said they were going to take the year off and they just never came back. And yep. we needed to not only try to get those officials covered, but then, you know, just annually, you always have retirements and people move and this. So we've been able to try to hopefully maintain the number of officials that leave and try to increase the, um, the others, uh, you know, but as as technology gets better and some of the schools have had better facilities in New Jersey with yep. allowing them to get more turf fields and more lights, which is wonderful for the student athletes, outstanding. But the number of games on a Friday just continually gets larger and larger every single year so the number of friday games just multiplies and and that's where um, it becomes a struggle because you bring in all of these officials you had more officials this year than you had the last year but you're still down uh in regards to how many officials you need on a friday night and that's just because the number of games on a friday night keeps on increasing so yep. that's something we have to try to work with our athletic directors uh, who have been wonderful and just trying to be able to try to help um mitigate that so maybe to have more thursday night games possibly more saturday afternoon games and that kind of helps us uh to try to be able to get that number down on a friday night down to be a little smaller yeah yeah i know in our area um speaking with our assigner for just our local chapter there were a couple of friday nights I think we have 18 crews in our chapter, and I think there were a couple of Friday nights where we had 19 and 20 games going on. So obviously the math didn't work out of, of having a crew. So uh, he was able to work his magic and, and get things done and, and make sure that the kids had the best experience as possible. But it's definitely uh, something that, like you said, just uh, more schools are getting lights, more schools are getting the turf fields. And Friday night lights, it's, uh, it's the way of life for, for the high school game. 
No um, question. So at the end of the podcast, I am going to throw on a couple of web links for anybody who might be interested in becoming a football official. Again, there's going to be the four different local chapters. But just to plug it right now, if you go to the New Jersey website, the www.njsiaa.org backslash officials dash associations, you'll be able to find a lot of information right there. And again, I'll have that link on the podcast itself on the page. Um, so that information will be out there. Um, I know as we're, we're rolling into March in, in the next couple of days um, that a lot of the chapters are going to be starting with their cadet classes uh, pretty soon. So if you're interested, get on that as, as soon as possible. Um, so, Mark, with that, is the state doing anything other than the social media that you could think of that uh, they're doing to try to promote and try to retain more more individuals with it, I know a few years ago they did a scholarship type program to, to attract some more. Uh, are there any other programs or things like that that we're working with? Yeah, so what they've tried to do is they've tried to be able to um, just kind of have that scholarship program where um, in the past, like last year, um, you know, officials were able to sign up and the, you know, class was about $175. And then you also have to get your uniform. And the state did a pretty cool thing where once you passed, the test, they were able to refund you um, $300. So it was like a $300 rebate, nice. um, which was really cool. And the NJSA is all about um, officials recruiting and retainment. And so they've done a really good job of that. Um, the NJSA has also done a good job of working with the athletic directors to be able to increase pay um, now for officials uh, for a lot of these varsity games. Um, so, you know, you're, they're trying to be able to entice people to want to become an official. And, um, I'm very happy that the NJSA is willing to, um, push those narratives and try to be able to want people to want to officiate. They've also done a really good job of their marketing team of trying to increase the number of officials of this, uh, you know, hashtag become an official. Uh, they've done a really, really, really good job of that. And we just got to keep doing that and we got to keep putting, um, that on the forefront so that people uh, know, hey, become an official and you can have a really fun time with a sport that you love. Uh, that's what that's what I got involved in it. I, I love this sport and want to continue to see it grow and grow and grow. So uh, definitely want to keep on bringing in new blood, some some young blood, some fresh blood. And unfortunately, like you mentioned before, with the COVID years and uh, unfortunately, people do get get aged out. In essence, uh, their bodies aren't holding up as well and, and do retire. So we, we got to always look for for new fresh faces in there. No um, question. With that, what are some qualities that you're looking for for officials to be successful officials? Good people. Uh, you know, that's such a basic term to say, but just a really, a really good person, um, somebody who can uh, de-escalate um, a hostile kind of sometimes environment where it's just a lot, it's frantic, a lot of energy, a lot of things going on. Somebody who can learn hostile how to de-escalate. There's, there's no emotion <laughs> in the game of football. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so that's where people get excited and be able yeah. to de-escalate that, a really just a high-intense situation and be able to do that. Somebody who's into conflict resolution, that's really cool. And honestly, somebody who has a passion. 
yeah. and that's probably the number one thing is, do you have a passion for the sport? Do you have a passion to go in and officiate a game and, hey, want to look at the video afterwards and review the game and watch yourself and watch the game yep. to be able to see how can you get better? And I think to me that is um, – those are the types of people that we want to be able to, to bring on and – you know, and obviously always paying it forward. And what do I mean by that is, you know, people taught me how to officiate. And, you know, obviously when you're involved in this, you want to be just a lifelong learner where yeah. um, whether you're doing this for 18 years, eight years or 88 years, you always want to be able to learn, learn and learn. And then you also want to take that information and eventually pass that along to other people. So that's the part of paying it forward where, you know, people taught me things and now to today and, and in the future, as long as I'm around, I'm going to look to try to also teach uh, others, especially new people, try to show them the way uh, so that we can keep this thing moving. Uh, and it really does become almost like a family where uh, it's almost like a family of stripes. And that yeah. to me is the culture that we want to be able to bring. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that those are all great, great points and great qualities that you're looking for. Uh, my, my education background, being a teacher kind of helped me along with that and just learning how to talk with, with kids more and, and try to deescalate some situations because uh, everybody sees it and everybody hears it. And the, the parents are emotional, the kids are emotional. And the one thing that I've always known from being a football player and then a football coach I understand how hard these kids work in the off season and, and all the time. And they're out there putting their, their heart and soul into it. I, I want to be able to go out there and, and give them the best that we can offer to make them have the best experience. So I think, like you said, being able to deescalate a situation because the kids do get emotional. The kids are fired up. The kids are looking to win and battle. Um, and sometimes they get a little bit too heated, but it, coming in and being able to de-escalate that and de-escalating the coaches because the coaches put in tons and tons of hours too that people don't see behind the scenes. So those are definitely some, some great qualities that I know everybody's looking for. Um, all right. So last question for you, Mark. And then again, once again, I do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on to our show today. Um, as somebody with, with the experiences that you do have, what advice would you have to aspiring officials? Because again, I'm hoping that, that this podcast goes out and we are able to recruit some more people. So if somebody was stepping out onto the field for the first time, what, what's a, a tip you could give them to help them pursue their career and to continue getting better at their career? When you're going to do something, do it to your fullest. There's a ton of opportunities um, to be able to do what you want with officiating. Uh, you know, you could be, you know, you could work a bunch of kids games and and even sub varsity games and varsity games. You could work all your way up to the college level. You know, you could do all kinds of things with this. So kind of set what you want your goal to be and then be able to go and and try your best. And when you get out there on the field and try to get towards that goal, mm -hmm. it's a it's a place where, yes, you can make some money doing it. But it's also a way that you're able to also network your your career. Um, you're able to meet a ton of people, a really a ton of awesome people. Because yeah. there's a lot of really fun people involved in sports. So you're able to network yourself and meet different types of people. 
Uh, you're also able to be around a sport that you love. Uh, it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me by being involved with officiating and being involved with sports. Uh, and it's something that I've loved and cherished and very blessed that I have that. Um, so it, it's something that, you know, I, I was, there's a high school official in New Jersey and, uh, you know, he's telling me a little story and he has a very, very good lucrative job that he does, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five. But when he goes out on a Saturday night to a party, um, and he's with his family, he's there and he's talking to people. The only, he never talks about his job. He only talks about what he does on a Friday night during the football season. Yep. And that to me is something that's really good because you could tell his passion for it and a love that he has for it. And that to me is where he loves what he's doing and he loves what he does on that Friday night. So that to me just tells you how much, how important it is to him um, and how much that he's it's changed his life where he's able to talk all about that all the time. Uh, and uh, that's kind of cool to be able to have that type of passion and to be able to have other people see it. Absolutely. hundred percent agree with that. Well, Mark, I want to thank you once again for taking your time out to come on whistle talk today. Um, it is, we really do appreciate everything that you do for the state. Um, once again, uh, to plug the state website, njsiaa.org slash officials dash associations go on there if you want to become an official go on there get some information again click on the links that you'll see below in the podcast for the different associations the different chapters i should say that we have in the state of new jersey and for any state go for it do it it's like mark said it is a family we are a family we are a fraternity uh we are all here to help each other. So reach out. If you have any questions, feel free to ask them on the bottom of the podcast. Please click follow and spread the word for anybody who's aspiring to be an official. Once again, Mark, thank you very much for taking your time. We do appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. Thank you so much once again for joining me on today's episode of Whistle Talk. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the minds of a football official. Be sure to check out all the links in the bio of today's show. Before signing off, a big thank you to all of our guests and to you, our fantastic audience. Keep your support keeps us going. Your support keeps Whistle Talk alive and thriving. Make sure to follow, subscribe, rate, and leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. As always, stay tuned for more fascinating conversations on our next Whistle Talk. Until then, this is Mike D., the referee, saying so long for now. <laughs>